Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today, I bring you my conversation with co-founder and chief learning officer of Tinker Garden, Megan Fitzgerald. After 18 years as an educator, curriculum developer, and school leader, Megan has her dream gig, an entrepreneur, educator, mom who helps families everywhere, including hers, learn outside. Tinker Garden is on a mission to elevate the childhood experience. The idea is that children will learn through play, through bringing families together in a natural place within their community. So today, Megan and I will speak about the importance of using nature as a classroom and why it's so beneficial for children of all ages. But before we get to the interview, would you say that you benefit from listening to the Minimalist Moms podcast? If so, it helps enormously to share it with your friends and to follow the Minimalist Moms Instagram page. As I said in the last episode, I really want to try and build up our community this summer and gain your insight regarding what you want to hear next. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to leave a rating and review. What are you waiting for? It only takes less than a minute and it really helps me produce higher quality content and to bring you creators that you want to hear. As always, I so appreciate you listening. And now for my interview with Megan. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm just thrilled to have you here today because I actually have personal experience with taking Tinker Garden classes. So I'm excited to talk to you and hear about the creation of Tinker Garden and why nature as a classroom is important. But before we get into all of that, can you just tell listeners a little bit more about who you are? Sure. I'd love to. So I am a First and foremost, a mom of three kids. So I have a five, seven, and nine-year-old. And I live with my husband and my family in Amherst, Massachusetts, which is on the western half of the state. And I am also co-founder and chief learning officer of Tinker Garden, which we'll talk about. Um, It's a super job, um, but I'm an educator by trade. So I've always been a teacher, kind of feel like always, and a learner. Um, And I love to learn things. I love to work with children and adults. So I've also been an elementary school principal. And my job at Tinker Garden, I really love because I get to think about the world of early childhood and how the children approach the world. But I also get to help adults learn, both parents and teachers, how to make the most of supporting that amazing process. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you say you're still a learner. And as I get older, I I truly feel that way as well. And it's just kind of fun to go back and explore the things that I may have missed in my own childhood and kind of get that second chance to learn through the eyes of my own children. So I like that you really try to incorporate adults within the Tinker Garden experience. But slightly shifting, I know that Simplicity is kind of the name of the game when it comes to Tinker Garden, but I would ask you, how has simplicity and minimalism played out in your own life? Yeah, I am always trying to be more and more minimal, and my husband's much the same, and I feel like a lot of the choices we've made to move to a simpler place, even the we had to do some structural work on our house, and we tried to figure out how can we make fewer spaces, how can we use this time to shed the number of things that we have to really think about what are the objects 
and spaces and things that we value most and we use most often in as many different ways. And it was fascinating to work with the kids around this, to go through the toys and to go through kind of the objects that just somehow make it into our lives and think about which of these objects are good for the earth, which of these ones do we really value and how much mental kind of load do we spend on just even having and caring for these things? And and what can we be doing differently to decide on which ones we keep and care for, where we store them, how we use them, so that we could just have clean spaces, as creative uh, you know, opportunities as possible. And it's really been a great exercise. So even though right now, if you saw my house, because we moved, as I told you, there's stuff everywhere. I feel really good about what I know is in those boxes. And I can't wait to be able to have a space that has the things that we chose to keep, you know, and, um, and that we know we're going to use. Yes. And that's so great that you were able to get them to be a part of that experience. And how old did you say that they are again? They're five, seven, and nine. And it was very hard for five to relinquish anything. (laughs) So so to be truthful, some of it was done in the dark of night when Ivy was not available. Um, But, but it was good for her because we, we we gave everybody a box Mm -hmm. and it was a good size box, but you could only bring the personal treasures that fit in the box. Mm -hmm. And that box kind of matches the storage space you're going to have in your room on the other side. And so everybody had to make a case for what went in their box or they had to make decisions because the box is finite, right? And so that was a really helpful structure for her, especially Mm -hmm. because she would have brought everything and always will. And I think that's that age too. Mm -hmm. But it was helpful even for me to say, I only want to fill this much space in my physical home and in my mental Mm -hmm. capacity. So what do I really love and want and what's going to bring the most, you know, sort of joy mm-hmm. on the other side. And what do I really need? And and it, it was a great exercise to start with the container and only be able to fill that container. Absolutely. I think that's great that you did that. And I, again, I can relate to that experience as well with my five-year-old during our move, just somewhat putting, I don't want to say restrictions, but limiting what she could bring within the boxes that we gave her, but also allowing her to have that say of what she wanted to bring to this new home. So I think that's great that you did that. Um, Going back to you as a teacher, how did simplicity and maybe even nature at that point, how did that look for you? Because it sounds like you were always somewhat pulled towards simplicity. Well, to be honest, I was a very elaborate child and I loved, and I was very sentimental. So I have made, (laughs) it's been a big learning curve. And I think teaching really helped me get there because I didn't realize kind of how distracting so many things were. And I think having a classroom or setting up learning environments for children, you learn a lot about what kids respond to. And I think children's brains are just more easy to see the inner workings of than adults. We have a lot of coping mechanisms adults we learn to manage through a lot of distraction Mm -hmm. especially today Mm -hmm. but kids actually kind of show very much more close to the surface how they're responding to their environment so when I would work with students especially those that were more sensitive to their environment or or more you know showed more how they responded to their environment I noticed the more tools I put out or the more things I put on the wall or just the more clutter Mm -hmm. the less focused they became Mm -hmm in whatever learning we were doing. And that's a lot of what drives our focus on simplicity at Tinker Garden. Mm -hmm. I got really curious about it. And actually there's some really wonderful research about playrooms that have fewer toys. Kids play for longer. Mm -hmm. They 
or creatively. They engage in different types of play with the same object versus playrooms that have more toys and especially toys that have a single purpose. I find that research so fascinating and I can once again attest to my children having decision fatigue when it comes to feeling overwhelmed with too many options in the room. And and I think that's what I really love about nature is that we are somewhat limited in our backyard, I guess, with the ingredients, so to speak. But nature truly is limitless in that they are constantly finding different activities and different games and different creations within those limited ingredients. It just really provides a setting for open-ended play. That said, I want to know more about Tinker Garden. I want to know more about the creation. I guess how you decided that this was something that you wanted to create for others. So tell me more about the creation of Tinker Garden and maybe how research influenced your creation of the program. I want to hear more about that. Sure, sure. So Tinker Garden started, both my husband and I co-created this out of a real personal need. Um, So I was, as I said, I was a classroom teacher and then an elementary school principal in the New York City suburb area. And Brian has been an ed tech product developer and designer for his whole career. And he was looking at sort of what kind of skill set really was needed to design and solve new problems and sort of the work of the future Mm -hmm. and was noticing a lot of people who are really skilled and successful in school, but seem to struggle with open-ended ambiguous tasks and collaboration and, and just resilience, like noticing a a shift a little bit there. Mm -hmm. And then I was working with families and noticing that academic pressure was just being pushed down earlier and earlier, both in school and outside of school. And that play and time outside and the things that you, you, that we really know help develop social skills, thinking skills, imagination, problem solving, these natural ways of learning these things, there was less and less opportunity for kids in their day-to-day in both settings. And I was hearing it from parents and I was hearing it from teachers and I was seeing the impact of kids and how they were at recess, how they were in the classroom and really thinking about what's missing, what's changed, and so much pressure, so much structure, so much stimulation. Mm -hmm. Again, screens really turning on. Um, And think about what do we need to do in order to help make the most of the early learning years? And what are the things that kids really need the most? And there were two things that kept coming up. At that point, Richard Louvre had released his book, uh, Last Child in the Woods. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big moment for me to read about nature and just to have that personal connection with how much time I spent outside, continued to ask experts and people I knew and anyone that would answer for their most poignant memories of childhood play. And they were all set outside. Mm-hmm. And it was just reaffirming that. And I we did a whole bunch of research on that and really all of the different ways that nature helps as a calming setting, as a stimulating setting, everything you were just mentioning with all the objects and the open-endedness of it all, the literal no walls, you know, it's a wonderful place. And as a teacher, when I took my kids outside, Mm -hmm. children were Mm -hmm. so different than they were in the confines of a classroom. So I just felt it, I knew it, and I was reading so much about it. But it was still emerging at that point. This was around 2010. Mm -hmm. And we also started to really study play and how children learn about about the world through their own experiences, constructing knowledge, experimenting, imagining, trying, erring, all of these ways of learning. Mm -hmm. And those really lent themselves to play. 
and kids being the leader of their own play, not having an adult over direct or tell them what they were going to do, but invite them into a world of play and studied a ton about play research and how to guide play with kids. And the combination of that guided play and nature really felt like the place that parenting was meant to be Mm -hmm. in order to support kids in their really natural development process. No matter what the child, what needs and and strengths that kids bring to the world, this is sort of the natural way that we learn. Mm -hmm. So how can we help ourselves as new parents and families get the support around how to do that and how to realize that they have so many of the tools they need Mm -hmm. and that kids really are designed to learn and develop in this wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Um, But with some support, we could could really become great advocates and, and guides of our kids' learning. Are you looking for the perfect gift for mom or another loved one? It's always a struggle for me to come up with something special for Mother's Day. I always want to be intentional about gift giving, and if I'm not gifting an experience, I want something tangible that will bring her repeated joy. That's why the Skylight Frame is a wonderful choice to give. Nowadays, staying in touch with those we love is more important than ever, and the easiest way to do it is with the Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. You can preload the frame with your favorite photos as a special Mother's Day gift. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect your wireless network, and enjoy. I love how anyone in the family can send photos to my mom's skylight, and they'll just pop up in her home in seconds. I'm so excited to give this gift because it's something that will bring my mom joy every day as she receives photos of her grandchildren that she can just scroll through at her leisure. Now as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash mm and enter code mm. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash mm and enter code mm. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com slash mm. And now back to my interview with Megan. So I'm sure there are a lot of us that have heard of the term nature as a classroom or nature being a classroom, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into what that actually means and maybe what that looks like in a Tinker Garden environment. Sure. So we decided to develop a curriculum and that curriculum leverages brain science and the things that we know about how kids learn through play, but applies it in a natural setting. And that natural setting can be a range of places. Our definition for nature is very simple. It is earth, sky, and other species. So we've done Tinker Garden on rooftops. We've done it um, in indoor settings. We've even done it, but we've done it in national parks and everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important place to start is what is nature? And for kids, it's those elements, right? You can bring dirt, you can be by a window, you can breathe fresh air, or you can be fully immersed in a natural setting. And you get some of the benefits of nature. And we see that in research, even just seeing pictures of natural settings can help trigger some of the calming and focusing effects of a natural setting. So the way we leverage nature is in a couple of different ways. For one, we just recognize it for an incredible learning environment. And the two things that it does that no indoor environment can do is simultaneously turn on many, many different senses 
So stimulate the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear things, we feel things, we smell things. They're uneven ground. So our muscles and our joints are activated. Our sense of balance, like every one of our senses is activated in nature just by stepping outside. Mm-hmm. And the other piece is it's, it's just inherently calming. So if I, when I was a classroom teacher, if you told me there was anything I could do that would simultaneously turn my kids' brains on for learning and put them in a calm state, I would have done any, I would have stood on my head on the desk. I would have done anything. And nature does that naturally. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we just try and make sure people realize um, is that that alone is a wonderful thing. But then nature also offers all kinds of objects and materials and problem solving opportunities and challenges for children in these early years. And if you can add on the knowledge about how a baby learns, how a toddler learns, how a preschooler learns, how a school-age child learns, and how they develop really important skills. So we've identified eight skills that we think are really important for the long term, and I'll give you a couple of examples. One is empathy. Mm-hmm. Another would be creativity. So these are two of our core skills, and we reverse engineer play experiences that not only make the most of this incredible learning environment, but help kids develop empathy through play. Mm -hmm. So we might make faces on the trees and thinking about faces and feelings and all that's very naturally embedded in that lesson. But you're using mud, you're using sticks, using acorns, you're interacting with trees, you're out and you're using all of your senses and you're problem solving. Well, how do I get the things to stick in the mud? So there's so many lessons embedded in that. Mm -hmm. So in that design, and it leverages all that nature has to offer to also teach a really important skill. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how we built Tinker Garden. We identified these really core skills. We did a ton of research on how you can learn the, the foundation of these skills at very early years. And from that, we've constructed open-ended play exercises and seasons worth of curriculum to support that kind of learning. Absolutely. And it is such a wonderful curriculum. And I, like I said, we have had the opportunity to have firsthand experience in a Tinker Garden classroom setting. But I'm thinking about listeners that are more urban or city dwellers. How can they get the experience of nature as a classroom, especially if a park isn't as easily accessible? What would you say? Absolutely. Well, I think I would go back to that simple definition, right? Um, Really thinking about those, what are the elements of the outdoors Mm -hmm. and whatever access you have to them is great. We actually have a blog post that helps people who are Mm -hmm. indoors largely, and this is a lot of our families are in urban environments. And right now with social distancing, especially Mm -hmm. really limited in terms of what you can do outside, but just even taking, um, if you have a a balcony or a stoop or taking some of the play that you're doing and bringing it out there into the fresh air Mm -hmm. or moving the play table by the window, you get natural light, you get some air, fresh air. Thank goodness we're getting into warmer weather pretty much everywhere in Tinker Garden Nation, you know, and so um, listening to nature sounds within your apartment, even if you don't have the nature sounds coming through the window, sometimes opening the window gets it done, but having the sounds of birds chirping or breezes and, uh, you know, through the trees really actually makes a difference for getting that kind of stimulation Mm -hmm. and that calming effect that we were talking about. So you can recreate some of those benefits just by bringing some of the elements of nature inside. When we lived in Brooklyn, we would go to Prospect Park Mm -hmm. and we would collect a few objects. We'd collect a few sticks and a a handful of leaves. And even though we would be really thoughtful about not taking too much from that natural setting, 
just even having a few of those objects in the mix at home mm-hmm. brings nature to children's hands for play. And that's a really, that can be something that you can accomplish in almost any setting. Yes. And actually, as I was researching for my conversation with you, I had pulled up the Tinker Garden website and I was looking for how to bring the outdoors inside. And I saw that there was a photo of children with their hammocks underneath the dining room table. And I just thought that was such a unique idea and so playful and creative just to allow the children to feel as though they're hammocks were hanging outside in between two trees. Absolutely. And we have to remember to think like kids because mm-hmm. to kids, a tiny patch, I mean, a, a potted plant is is a park mm-hmm. and it absolutely can be, and it should be. And this age is amazing for that. The blur, the lines of reality and fantasy are quite purposely very close together mm-hmm. and they can imagine all kinds of wonderful things. And that your brain actually mm-hmm. it is giving you some of that benefit just to imagine yourself in a natural setting. So those are great ideas too, just to pretend that you are outside and, and enjoy play that links you to what you love about being outside. That's very helpful to kids during times like this. Yes. And I really want my children to feel empowered to take the lead here. So I don't really want to squash the imagination and creativity that could be blooming there. So I guess my next question for you would be, how would we place boundaries around ourselves so that we don't interrupt that process and enhance their time outdoors, but also allow them to make it a time of their own? I think there are a few really core concepts that help you become a really effective guide to your children's play. And the first one is just to know that you're being a guide instead of a director. And I've already heard that in the way you're thinking about your child, but that's a big shift. So there, it's their process. Their, their, your child is the actor in the play and you're kind of the stage manager there to support. I think just even taking that shift is a really helpful, having a metaphor like that can really help. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think really helps is thinking of your value as setting up the environment. An environment can mean two things. It can mean the physical environment. So what space are you giving and then what objects are you making available to kids? But then also a bit of story or a little scenario that you might suggest or um, a question you might ask to inspire kids to play and picking the right scenario or question or objects and things like that will naturally invite kids, but it also will reinforce that kids are in the lead. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think a program like Tinker Garden at Home or coming to Tinker Garden class really helps because it gives you ideas about how to set up an environment, but it also gives you a little bit more understanding on how to invite play Mm -hmm. in a way that puts the kids in the driver's seat. And so once you set that up, it's much easier to know that you're not, you know, that you're playing the right role and that they're taking the lead. And you'll notice that kids play for longer mm-hmm. and they dive right in when they feel like it's their play and they're making the choices and they're either accepting your invitation or they're taking it in their own direction rather than we're going to sit down and we're going to do a craft or we're going to do something together. And it's, I'm going to tell you what we're doing and you'll follow along. Mm-hmm. You just get a very different response. Both are useful activities, but they have a different goal. Mm-hmm. So you know, inviting kids into play rather than directing them makes huge difference. And I do think programs like Tinker Garden at Home help you know how to do that um, and just give you really creative starting places so you don't have to think, especially these days, I have three kids, I'm working, trying to figure out how to fill the day. Mm -hmm. Having some of those ideas at the ready, Mm -hmm. um, I think have been really helpful to parents to know how to play that role. 
Absolutely. I actually, again, I was on the Tinker Garden website this week and I saw an activity that had to do with trucks in the mud. So if we're using the term stage manager, I would say that I set the stage with the trucks in the dirt and then together we created the mud with buckets of water and then I just let them have at it. They were able to do whatever they wanted. They even put mud on their faces and they put mud on my face. So I appreciated the activity that Tinker Garden suggested, but my children were really able to make it their own. So I'm just really grateful for resources such as yours when I'm feeling burnout or just not super creative. And I'm sure there are other mothers listening that probably feel the same way. So for someone who would want a little bit more guidance, where can they find their local Tinker Garden class? Absolutely. So yeah, we are preparing and very hopeful that we'll have Tinker Garden classes back up and running this summer in every corner of the world where that's deemed you know, possible. Mm-hmm. And so you can find your local Tinker Garden class by going to tinkergarden.com slash classes and searching by zip code. We have leaders in all 50 states. Uh, so when we have thousands of leaders, they're amazing. And it really is wonderful to come together with the guidance of that trained expert plus a community of other families learning along with you. Um, And so those are really, really special opportunities, those classes. In the meantime, we also have a live session that we stream every Tuesday morning, 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific on our Facebook live page and our Instagram live. So if you go to facebook.com slash tinkergarden, you can either follow our live events or just come on Tuesday mornings and you'll see me and my family of explorers kind of demonstrating how to begin and what that play can look like. And the maybe even the best place to go is our Outdoors All Four Facebook group that is a free Facebook group. We now have 7,000 since we launched a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. people in there. And that's comprised of our leaders, but so many families from around the world who are taking these ideas and bringing them to life. And you can see pictures, videos, ask questions, get support, or just honestly feel kind of buoyed by the joy of watching kids play and learn at this time, because there's, there's a tremendous amount of joy out there. And it's so important for our kids to have that and actually helps us too. So those are the different components. And if you just want to know about all of this and make sure it comes to your inbox, go to tinkergarden.com slash at home. That will automatically put you on our mailing list. You can find out about classes when they come up in your area, Mm -hmm. but you can also get free, the free weekly activities for the Tinker Garden at Home program at different age groups. You get um, parenting tips and advice on how to support play and how to get through this crazy time. And then you'll automatically see the updates from the community on what how different families across the country are bringing this stuff to life. Definitely. I'm a member of all those groups and I appreciate the emails. They've really helped me, honestly, when I was beginning to feel burnout, like I said, just trying to come up with my own ideas. So I highly suggest that people check out your newsletter if they haven't heard about it yet. Well, Megan, is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners when it comes to parents creating their own classroom in nature? Absolutely. I just think this time more than ever, we're all feeling how important it is to be outdoors. And that may play out in so many different ways for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know for my family, if our kids are inside for too long, um, or if we go outside, I just see such different effect in them. And I've always known that, but for some reason, this intensity of being together all day and, um, one with my siblings with each other and us with the kids, we just need that time and that space outside so badly every day around five 30, we go on some kind of walk. Um, 
And even if for you, that means going down the elevator and out the door to breathe for a little while, um, or opening up the window and sticking your head out, or it is a walk like ours is around the neighborhood or through a trail near your house, whatever you can do that feels safe and possible, Mm -hmm. just keep bringing that outdoor time in to your life and your children's life, because I I feel like it's a lifeline. Um, and, And more so, I appreciate that than ever in these past seven weeks. It's been honestly pretty overwhelming to try and feel good at all of these things at once mm-hmm. um, and to feel like I'm there for my kids. I'm there for Tinker Garden. I'm there for, for Brian. You know, mm-hmm. so many things are weighing on us. And if we can reset every day with a little bit of outdoor time, mm-hmm. it's going to help us kind of navigate through this very heavy time um, in, in a really fundamental way. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen the correlation between mood and the outdoors in my own and my children's life. So I'm definitely a believer. Well, as we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? AKA, what is your minimalist moment of the week? Excellent. Uh, My minimalist moment of the week is, um, try again, along with the move, um, one of my weakness areas is toiletries. And I'm trying to um, to, I have a much smaller basket that I need to fit into. So I am working on what do I really need? And part of it is honoring self-care and how I am not spending enough time on that. So I'm excited to reinvigorate that, but also really simplify. And then, um, there's a, a donation drive going on, um, in town too. So I'm going to try and make sure that anything that I'm not really using mm-hmm. can be used by other families. Great. And then my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be in regards to minimalism or simple living or just something you're really excited about. Yeah, I am really excited about thinking through, um, how like silver lining moments. Um, mm. and, Um, I just this incredible mix of how hard this time is, but also this sort of silver lining side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wrote a blog post about it recently, but really still can't get my mind off of how extreme the swings are right now. Um, And I just, it just clicked for me the other day, why this is, this is striking me as a very familiar time. And it almost reminds me of being a parent again for the first time mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, it happened all of a sudden my world changed like overnight. And I suddenly was trying to do what I'd always done and take on this huge new world of, of challenge and responsibility. And I feel like the same thing has happened. And I've been trying to do both really well mm-hmm. um, for seven weeks. And I'm honestly at a point where I recognize that I cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to change how I'm approaching it. Same as I had to realize I actually do need to sleep when the baby sleeps. You know, I'm, it's not that important that I make a dinner that's as good as the dinner I used to make. It actually doesn't matter for yeah. now, you know, and, and I think part of the problem with this particular time is that we don't know when it's going to end or how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same feeling that you have when you're a brand new mom. Mm. If you're thinking about, I, my friends would call me and say, no, really, the baby will sleep and you will have a night again and you will sleep again. And I heard their words, but I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar kind of feeling, but I don't know when this fog is going to lift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just being, trying to remember back what I would love to tell me as a new mom. And I'd love to tell myself to just change your expectations. You know, this is a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Do the best you can. 
um, and look for those really sweet moments. And they won't be all day long. So if you're expecting to be in love with this new baby or you're going to expect it for harmony through the house to happen at this time, that is absolutely a path to suffering. Mm -hmm. But if you can look for the, the one sweet little moment that you get to snuggle your kid that you wouldn't have had if it weren't for this time or the the one activity that you can pull off and that play that you, you got to see something happen for your child that you mightn't have otherwise seen and like 10x that, you know, and then let the rest kind of just fall in the bucket of, of course, that didn't go well because this is a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying really hard to do that because I think that focusing on the little wins and the sweet moments is, is so needed not only to remember what's really special about this time, but also just to get through. Yeah, you're so right. And I know a lot of us are feeling just the overwhelming disappointment that comes with missing out on so many opportunities for our children during this time in their childhood. And I just have to remind myself that our children are more adaptable than I am. And I also have to remember that my five-year-old is just excited about spending the extra time with me. So what I had envisioned for her five-year-old summer or five-year-old preschool experience versus what her actual experience is, is it's it's going to be okay. I, I don't have to put that pressure on myself to, I guess, design that. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's at the heart of it is that they're actually okay. They're with us, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not having all the expectations that we're putting on ourselves mm-hmm. to create a full day and to work or manage your house or whatever you got on your plate, you know, just good at what is, is, is much better to good enough mm-hmm. than you think it is. Yeah, definitely. Well, Megan, thank you so much. I just appreciate your time today. I will be sure to include links to Tinker Garden and the newsletter and where listeners can find their own local Tinker Garden class in the show notes. And again, I just so appreciate your wisdom in this area. And I thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thanks so much for the time. And I love sharing about this. And I love the all that you focus on for minimalism. I think it's it's at the heart of getting to what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the more we can do that, the really the happier we and our kids will be. So thanks for all the work that you do too. What did you think of the interview? I love to think of being in nature as more than just playtime. There's just so much learning to be done right outside your door. And I think that's really exciting. We don't have to spend massive amounts of time to direct our children. We are just there to enhance their environment and to allow their creativity and imagination to run wild. So what did you think? Have you taken Tinker Garden classes before? Do you plan to check them out after the interview? I'd love to know. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Join me back here next week as I speak with author Carla Nomberg. We discuss practical tips to becoming calmer, happier parents. Her advice is compassionate, pragmatic, and will help you to feel less ashamed, and more empowered as you navigate parenthood. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.